Philip H. Anselmo here making an announcement. And I'm showing you a flyer. Live from the lair. Scour. You see that? That's January 29th. With Shock Narcotic. By the stream. Love y'all. Welcome, gentlemen, to the Laugh the Monkey Music Show. Today we got Scour on. How are you guys doing today, man? Cheers. Doing great. Doing good. Excellent. Very sick. What got you guys started into the type of music? Because usually there's like a variance of sometimes like, well, I like ABBA or I like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, something like there's always something really interesting and kind of like, like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not singing like ABBA, Jeff, just saying. Who doesn't love some ABBA? That's for it's sure. It's out of the bag. It's out of the bag. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess uh, influences for Scour. I mean, there's a heavy you know, Scandinavian. Actually, I mean, for you, like originally starting off, I'm just curious, like initially just like each new piece guy starting off. Just me in general in the world of music. Yeah, just a little. Uh, well, <laughs> Metallica, my favorite band, of course. Um, they were definitely my favorite band growing up, uh, Metallica, Pantera. Uh, but then like in the high school, early high school age, I was a uh, really big into ska. I was a huge rude boy. Um, you know, thin black tie, all that. <laughs> and uh, I actually was going to play the trumpet to start a ska band. And I had that for a couple months. And then I was like, uh, if I played bass, I could also play metal, which I love, of course. And then once I started playing bass, the metal kind of just took over and um, never looked back. See, I didn't see that one coming. John, sorry. <laughs> so I'll take it from here. Please. Uh, yeah, I started off uh, MTV was a big thing when I was very young. And my parents would play Beatles records in the house. And I'd go through his collection and check out like uh, ELO or Harry Nielsen or, uh, you know, the who any kind of type of stuff that he had laying around but it was really mtv and uh def leopard early on uh during the pyromania era and yeah. then ozzy osbourne solo stuff like the bark at the moon video <clears throat> it was really big for me and then when i was about 10 metallica one video came out and uh that was where it kind of went to the heavy little heavy stuff and later on you get into slayer and then your next thing you know you're listening to hate eternal and you know it just keep, keeps getting more extreme every day it seems but uh yeah things really mtv headbangers ball was a really big deal were you any holdovers you still listen to now are that you know later music well i still listen to all of it i all mean of- and i the late 80s even that hair metal era I mean, it had so many great shredders, and I even love Winger. I'll still listen to Cinderella and White Snake. Before I was 12 years old, I mean, it was just whatever, like, you know, the parents had on. So it was like Garth Brooks, Peter Gabriel, Prince, you know, like that mixed bag of like sort of pop music, which uh, I would actually enjoy very much. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, like around 12 years old, I met uh, my lifetime, like best friend, Andy Husky, and he introduced me to uh, 
pretty much all the names you guys were talking about. So, you know, Pantera, White Zombie, Slayer, Prong, Nine Inch Nails, Faith No More. He had an older brother that sort of just had all this stuff. And uh, it was just like, you know, that that year was just, you know, a dump of the knowledge, you know what I mean? And uh, there was no turning back after that. We all originally hail from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm with the championship St. Louis Cardinals, and um, we now I, I live don't, in. I don't, I don't follow badminton, so I don't know all the badminton teams. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, but we're all in the St. Louis area, and actually, Mark and I were in a band, Cast the Stone, recently reformed, and the Jarvi, John and Adam, were in All Will Fall. So our two local bands would, like in 2001, 2000. Three at that time, we would all jam together and play shows, just bills and all over the place, creepy crawl. Um, but now I'm out in San Diego, and the other guys are still pretty close to St. Louis. Yeah, Adam's out in uh, Baltimore at the time, and uh, Phil's down in uh, Louisiana. Well, so we're kind of spread out. How'd you guys all end up getting together, though? To just you know put a band together so weird nowadays like you know what i'm saying like everyone's so far apart besides covid yeah you, you think know, most bands would, are everywhere it just feels weird nowadays you think out of that we would have just like started it up and and you know went from there but it was actually a, a pretty winding road because um like i i was i was joined misery index as did uh you know adam jarvis um you know john's an agoraphobic nosebleed wasn't pig destroyer um Derek was in Cal Decapitation and Unmerciful and what, dis- discreet. And <laughs> I mean, he could tell you the laundry. And that, that was, those were bands out of Kansas City because he was living out there for a while. So it was, it was a bit of a winding road, like just sort of we all, all of us kind of like we did our local thing and then we sort of found our way onto the, the national stage, the international stage in different projects. And, um, and, you know, we just kind of have sort of in a roundabout way have reconvened in, in this project. Derek and I were on tour and uh, he had the demos and we would go find little spaces and uh, record the uh, tracks. And then, of course, he would send them. We sent them off to Phil for his uh, for his approval. That's when he joined up. But uh you know, getting uh, Mark and Adam on right before the Red EP really beefed everything up. And uh, I think the thing with the Black EP now is uh, the added vocals of Mark. We said we, Derek and I sing backing vocals on every Scour song, but now we got Mark added in. So now we got three different voices in the background added, added to Phil's. So Mark's got kind of a low growl. And I guess Derek would be a little higher and I'm somewhere in the middle. So I think it, it mixes up really well. Started with Fulgora, was, which is a band Adam and I had. And we signed to Housecore Records. He found, I sent a, our demo to Housecore. The drummer from Harp, I guess, checked it out and really liked it. And told Phil that he had to listen to it. And so thanks to him, Phil checked it out. And then he hit us up on Facebook and we signed there and uh, when Derek and I were thinking of front men for the band who would be perfect, uh, you know, he was the only guy we thought of. 
and luckily he said yes right off the bat. So as in cattle decapitation for the album, the Anthropocene Extinction, the Anthropocene Extinction, uh, we had a perfect like spoken word part that called for a guest vocal. And then Mr. John Jarvis put me in touch with Phil. And so Phil actually did a guest vocal on the song Prophets of Loss. So we kind of had a little rapport, even though it was just one little part, but everything went great. So um, like John said, when it was time to get a vocalist, we went through a whole list of people, but there was really only one guy we, we actually wanted. And luckily he said, yes. I'm actually the songwriter uh, musically for the band. So the, the riffs kind of, they always hit me like in way, like one time, like kind of in a big section. And then like when I get it down, like in with a guitar in hand and record it and put down the drums, it all kind of comes in one swoop. And I kind of usually wrap it up in like two days. Uh, whether if, if it's three weeks before the next song or just the next day, it just kind of, it's a weird how it works. But uh, we always have a, a saying in Scour that says, sticks to plan. And we try not to overthink it, so. I think when you don't overthink it and do all these revisions over and over and over, I think you really capture like the raw essence of what it's supposed to be. And then um, it's kind of the starting point. From there, I usually shoot it over to Jarv, get his approval. Sometimes he shuts me down. Um, yeah, I guess yeah, I got to check all those riffs now. <laughs> <laughs> I like the expression on your face. <laughs> He said that <laughs> <laughs> they're usually all get a pass they're very rarely will i say hey no that's true he's been like this uh this riff sounds a lot like this other riff and uh you don't want, i mean you're treading thin already on scours so you don't want to you know go down that road so um once we do that i send it over to uh adam adam lays down the drums pretty much uh going right after the plan that i mapped out of course, he fleshes out a little bit more, being a, a ripping drummer that he is. And then once we have like a decent demo, send it over to Phil, and he handles all the lyric writing and uh, the patterns, of course. Cool. But then I think is the best part for me is when Phil sends those lyrics back to us, and he leaves little spots for backing vocals, and Derek and I kind of map them out, and. Uh, add our uh, touch to it. So I think that's my favorite part of the process. There's a lot, so there's a lot of uh, flexibility between working and the songs though. You're not like locked into a Well, I mean, person. that's pretty much been the same process for each song. And like Derek said, we'd like to stick with the plan and then, you know, you might as well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And it's not a bad thing, but it's not the same thing. And that's- Right, you, yeah. You I mean, there's it. certain bands that, that progress in this and that but i mean there's a lot of bands that are like acdc for example i mean they just put out a record this year and it, it, i did you listen to it it sounds like acdc i mean from 40 it years ago like yeah it's, it's, I like but it. it's every one of the records and you know good for them for being able to, to do that i agree i think this one's better than their past few actually too i'm glad it's on a high note yeah yeah i mean i was impressed because but at the same time you pop it on you're like there's no other band that sounds like this. This is this is ACDC. And the riffs can still sound fresh and sound very similar. And that's kind of what, I, you know, I feel like with you guys, it's kind of a, not comparing you guys to ACDC, but, you know, there's a riff sound you guys have without, you know, deviating to some kind of, you know, hoppy melody, you know. Right. Well, hopefully we can be compared to a band like that someday, you know, and maybe our full length, we could, it could be our back in black. You never know. But uh, 
that's a band that I think got better and better. And then, you know, like I said, they, they stuck. It's just amazing that they could be a band for that long, for one thing, let yeah. alone keep making uh, listenable music. I think they, they, they're all down to earth. And that, you know, that, that is songwriting thing down a certain way. And that was it. You know, I don't think they changed it from the beginning. Everyone was happy in the role and enjoyed what the band was. They, you know, yeah, the brothers. Yeah, they didn't have a grunge band. era or a, you know, <laughs> Metallica load era or something, you know. <laughs> and I could I'd say the same thing for Pantera. You know, I remember when the Reinventing the Steel came out and I said, you, you couldn't, you didn't like get pre-listens. We went and bought it the day it came out. Oh, I said, and that was like the new metal, like Limp Bizkit was the biggest band in the world. And bands were changed, and Slayer changed. I mean, yeah, it had like Bloodline or something. It had like um, some weird. I think it was Diabolus and Musica yeah. from the head, little new metal influence. I want to yeah. say on some yeah. of the riffs. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But you know, Pantera, I popped it in, and they, I think Hellbound was the first track, and it's just like, all right, they didn't sell out on us, you know. With the internet, is that helpful, you guys? You know, with media, is it kind of? being kind of more of an under well i mean it's a, i think it's a necessary evil i mean it's you gotta have it if you want to keep everyone informed you know and like how would you know about the black ep if you, we didn't have social media you know right. just you we don't we don't have mtv anymore like the 80s and well there's mtv but you know it's not playing right well, I'm, yeah i mean some artists actually totally shy away from it they have like they'll have somebody else you know another person to their instagram or they'll have you know what i mean well yeah for example like phil doesn't do any of them he doesn't do any of his own social media posts and you know because he doesn't have to but uh he's also like eighteen thousand different bands too <laughs> right yeah he would have to be <laughs> on there all day so yeah go I don't, down I don't, to super joint and, and minor you know to the illegals so yeah he has to enough time spread out and let other people do it and i think derek and i have been We've been working with uh, Nuclear Blast team, yep. and uh, they've been kind of, we got what, the scour team, I guess we'd call it, and uh, really helped us uh, roll out the record the right way and really get the word out. But yeah, you got to have it. I mean, I wish you didn't, but you just, you do. Well, that, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. You know, I actually think Nuclear Blast has really upped the game in the past year and a half on social media. They really seem to be out there a lot. Like, it was yeah, and they got a lot of releases, a lot of great bands. Yeah, but I mean, they're out there more too. It's not like you have to, you know, nuclear. You know, like you know what I'm saying, and kind of like dig through. They're posting every hour about they're something. everywhere, and they, you know, the website's great, and they're just they're just everywhere now, and it's really and it's really good for bands like you because you know, there's not a lot of other media outlets that are going to support you guys. You know, because you guys aren't radio friendly. <laughs> yeah, they're on top. Right, yeah. yep. And I, but you know, as far as the necessary evil, I mean this is the way all your fans can get to talk to you guys and see you guys and listen to you. Right. And yeah. Yeah. It's, otherwise, it's, it's, it's just radio. You guys would be like playing clubs and now you would be doing nothing. Right. Yeah. I just look at it as a tool and most tools can be used for good or for bad. You know, it's really up to the user and I try to use it for myself the best way I can. Has it gotten recording any faster than you guys have been together for a while? You guys kind of like rocking them out quicker now or what? Yeah, I think um, the process has definitely gotten easier and better. Uh, at the same time, also, I think we kind of fine-tuned a little bit 
of the sound on the Black EP than more previous efforts. Um, so in a way, yes, like the way of physically tracking guitars and stuff, I think it's easier on the hands and all that stuff. Maybe not so much easier for John or sorry, Adam Jarvis, who said it was some of the most ripping drums he's ever recorded. So um, the actual process has gotten a little bit easier though, I would think. Well, yeah, Adam actually was going to be in the interview, but he actually has to just blast and he has, we, he's blasting as we speak because he's got to, he's got to keep those blasts up. I said, get in that room and blast. Really? <laughs> That's funny. What have you guys been doing during COVID to kind of being in this weird position? You guys can't even tour. Well, me first, I've started a band called Nest and we've been practicing once a week at least. So that's been keeping me really busy. Uh, of course, the release of the Black EPs kept, kept us all busy also. And uh, Derek and I had the, the Booze Hounds release the 99 bottles of beer. Dear God, made up all of the COVID. <laughs> yeah, that took a lot of our COVID up, trying to get over 100 musicians on the same track. Wow. That's so, insane. But yeah, we did, it did great, and it raised some money for senior dogs. And uh, so we've been trying to stay busy. I know Derek been working hard. Yeah, I kind of jumped into work pretty heavily. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Um, but Scour Boys, we've actually we've got something, some surprises coming up that all of us are really jumping into and uh, training, if you will. So that's definitely heating up our time. All right, all right, guys. Well, thank you, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, learned a lot of good stuff, and uh, everything will be underneath the show. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Thanks, man. All right, thank you. You. Philip H. Anselmo here making an announcement. And I'm showing you a flyer. Live from the lair. Scour. You see that? That's January 29th with Shock Narcotic by the stream. Love y'all.